Welcome to another episode of Confessions of a Disney Cast Member, where I chat to Disney cast members from all walks of life and, of course, all walks of magic. For today's episode, Sophie and I will be chatting with the wonderful Rob, who sprinkled his pixie dust all over the Disney company in entertainment. Hi, Rob. Hey, everybody. Nice to nice to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me to be here. I, I love talking about this stuff, and I'm excited to chat with other people who also love talking about this stuff. So, yeah. And hopefully... Yeah. Everybody enjoys listening about this stuff. We're hoping so. That'd be good. Uh-huh. <laughs> we're very happy to have you on. You were actually just saying you will, a bit of a spoiler, you were a part of the Hoop to Do family and you were just telling us about how you guys still do virtual Zoom calls every week. Every week we get together um, every week and, and it started out as just, you know, hey, let's let's do a check-in. Um, after you know everybody went on to furlough and let's do a little check-in and see how everybody's feeling about everything. And so it started that way. And then the next week it was kind of like, well, that was so much fun. Let's do it again. And then the week after that, well, that we're still having fun doing this. Do you yeah. want to do it again? And so every week we we get together and just kind of keep up with each other, keep up with each other's lives and families and what we're all up to and the the side gigs that we've started and the different things, the ventures and things that we've started. But also a very fun thing that we do as a cast is uh, we um, we started baking together. And so a couple days before the call, somebody will send out a recipe and the ingredients necessary. And we will um, either have those ingredients delivered to our house or we will uh, mask up and run into the store, go Amazing. get what we need and then come back and, uh, and then be all set and ready. And so we bake together. And what's great is like, we catch up while the things are in the mm-hmm. oven and yeah. then we all eat together after everything's come out. And it's just, the, you know, the bond that we, I think, that we are more bonded closer together than we were even when we were performing alongside each other do you know what i think that's what the crazy thing about this whole this whole um like pandemic has been that i think where we felt like we might end up isolating ourselves more i think we actually realized that we rely on our friends way more than we ever thought we would um which is amazing that we've come to that realization even if we did have it before i think if anything it's only emphasized the love that we have for these people. And, and I mean, I know I can speak for me and Sophie that we both have individual Disney groups from our Disney programs that we also Zoom with every one or two weeks and, and like we'll speak for hours and do quizzes and play games. And it's crazy that we, no matter, no matter how far apart we can be from each other, we still manage to keep the Disney magic alive, you know? Well, and how great that we live when we do and even though we have to deal with this in the world right now, even though we have to deal with the pandemic, um, you know, the, we we talk all the time about a uh, hundred years ago, uh, you know, the, the Spanish flu came through and we had to deal with that, but they did not have Zoom. They, they did not, have... like, how did they do it? How did they stay <laughs> no connected idea. with each other? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you're absolutely right. And I don't know... Um, I can only speak for myself and, and where I'm from. I'm, I'm from Ohio uh, in the States. And, um, and when I got to Florida, I realized very quickly that nobody is from Florida. Nobody is from here. Very okay. few people are from Florida. Everybody yeah. comes from someplace else. You, you came from very far away uh, <laughs> to spend some time with us. But uh, everybody is from someplace else and nobody is, is from Florida. Therefore, to your point, we have to find our friends and our friends become our family and we celebrate together and we laugh together and we cry together and we uh, have birthday parties together and we go to weddings together. And these, this is our family that we have found in Orlando. And so 
because of that, uh, yeah, the company is just a reason to show up. But man, exactly. j- just finding people who are like-minded and uh, and excited about the same things that you are, you know, like I said at the beginning, I'm excited to talk about this stuff. And Yay. I have friends here that I'm also, that that have become my family, that we all love talking about the same things and being in the same places and just being together. So uh, yeah, I, I'm, Yes, agree. Oh, well, well, yeah, exactly. We're all happy to be here. That's the that's the more. Yeah. Story, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, this, we have yeah. a quick fire to get you in the mood of this call and this podcast. Okay, so okay. First thing that comes to your head: favorite park at Walt Disney World. Favorite park at Walt Disney World uh, has got to be. I'm a I'm a classic through and through. I love the Magic Kingdom. Yeah, I'm with Iconic. you. I'm with you, Rob. I yeah. love the Magic Sophie's, Kingdom. Sophie's more of an Animal Kingdom gal, but I think <laughs> Magic Kingdom is uh, all of our hearts, isn't it? At the end of the day, I think uh, you know for the most part. Uh, cast members, I know this is supposed to be rapid fire, but at the same time, we, yeah. <laughs> we do that. Uh, for the most part, I think, you know, especially as cast members come up, uh, that, that we all kind of, your favorite park starts at the park that you are working at, right? Like you just have some pride from working there. Mm-hmm. But then I do think it does kind of settle into, uh, and mine shifts. My favorite park sh- has shifted over the years, uh, and it typically tends to go in the order that the parks opened. Uh, so, but I've right now where I am right now is that I am a I am all about the nostalgia and the classic nature of the parks, and so I'm landed on the Magic Kingdom. I love that. Yeah. What is your favorite show at Walt Disney World? Well, of course, it's the Hoopty Doo Review. Amazing. Amazing. Well. Of course, it is. Like, we're not just we're not just saying it. Like we will, when we talk about Hoop a bit later, we'll talk a bit more about this. But the UK Pavilion's favorite place to go. In, in I'll have to say on par with downtown Orlando for a lot of us, but also like on par with that is um, Hoopty Doo Review. We absolutely adore it. Well, and we love when you all come and visit. Um, yeah, and, and see the show. Uh, I would say my second favorite, only to that, of course, would be Voices of Liberty. Liberty over at Epcot. Um, yes, I'm, yeah, I have you been. You have a, to say that as well. Well, I do, <laughs> I do. But at the same time, I have been a longtime fan of that group uh, and that show, uh, and so much so that I, I kept showing up time after time, and I got myself a wife out of it. So there you go. Maybe <laughs> if I do that enough at Lion King, I'll get a husband. <laughs> Maybe just yes. <laughs> Are you more the lion section or the elephant section? Where she's would you? I'm the lion. She's more the stilt you... walker section. Oh, no, yeah, that's true. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what it is. Here we go. That's my new plan. Okay. If you were drinking around the world showcase yes. as we work in the pavilions, what would be your go-to pavilion to go to? Oh my goodness! It depends on the time of year and it depends on my mood, but. Uh, gotta say like a go-to yeah a go-to most people will say a margarita in in Mexico and while I like that um, I can't do it every day whereas every day I can get a snake bite over at the at the UK pavilion yeah I can do that and also um, every now and then I will also enjoy a Johnny Walker um, why flight yeah oh wow well that's from the land of my people so there you go (laughs) last one if you could work anywhere at walt disney world in a role that you've never worked in what would you do oh my goodness if i could work anywhere a jungle cruise skipper yeah you'd be good at that (laughs) even though i hear it's i do hear we've we've had a couple of skippers on the show and it sounds like hard work as well like it does sound like a a tough job 
For sure. Um, but I do think I, I have known this about myself. When I was growing up, I have always wanted to work in entertainment. Um, and my parents would tell you, they, they could attest to this, that I, I was given the basement of our house there in Ohio and I could make whatever show I wanted to make down there. And, you know, just utilizing whatever was already down there. I could, I could make these shows. But here's the thing. The show wouldn't just run for you know, for the afternoon, the show would run for weeks, if not months, and I would keep working on it and tweaking it and making it. And I think that that pre prepared me. It is in my DNA. I am, I am built to do shows over and over and over again yeah. and keep working on it and tweaking it and, you know, testing new stuff and testing what works and changing things up. Cool. And so I think that, you know, that, that set me up to be a good, solid theme park performer uh, because of that, but I think I could carry that over into the Jungle Cruise Skipper world. I know that they they use some of that same material over and over and over again, but I'm built for it, so I'm okay Definitely. with it. I want to see it happen. Um, like I, I want to be there for it. So, <laughs> so make sure you let us know that when they're like, oh, um, we're actually um, need a skipper from Hoop, you know, just just yeah. off chance, and uh, Rob's gonna be like, yeah, I'm here. <laughs> I can sing a song while I'm there too, if you like. <laughs> um, but let's get into um, now we're in the Disney mood. Let's get into your um, journey with um, the Disney company, Rob. You've had a phenomenal. Um, time with the company so far and I'm so excited to get uh, like stuck in with this but before we get stuck into the positions that you've worked on um let's talk a bit about your inspiration for working for the Disney company and where your passion for performing and Disney um started off yeah so uh as I said before um, I've always known what I wanted to do. I come from a rare breed of people that has always known what he wanted to do. Um, and that is that I wanted to be, I wanted to work in show business some way, shape or form. I wanted to uh, be around it, be on stage, be backstage, be some, I just knew that that's what I wanted to do. And so um, there's there's any number of places in the world uh, where you can do that. But I, growing up in Ohio, my family would vacation down to Orlando uh, just about every year. And I would find myself sitting, there, as the story goes, apparently I was maybe three or four or five years old and I'm sitting on Main Street USA watching the parade go by and I turned up to my mom and I said, this is what I want to do. This is where I want to be. This is what I want to do. That's, a, I don't remember it, but that's the way that the story goes. Love it. And so sure enough, I just kind of, I, my my connection to the Walt Disney Company, of course, was mainly through the films growing up in Ohio, mainly through the films, but also, uh, do you guys ever get Disney on Ice? Do you know what Disney on Ice is? Yeah, yeah, we get yeah. okay. So uh, Disney on Ice would come through, would come through town, and that was my connection to Disney live entertainment, and I loved it so much, and we always made a point of going every year, and I would save up my money to be able to go, save up my money to be able to buy a program so that, that I could, you know, it had all the pictures in it, and I could relive that show um, for, for months and months afterwards, and so I was all set and ready to go to the Ohio State University and I was going to study music and hopefully I was going to I was going to audition and hopefully get to be in the Ohio State University marching band and I was really excited about that that's what I wanted to do uh, but instead uh, a buddy of mine said hey they're having auditions down in Orlando for uh, for performers you should go to that so right out of high school I got in my car and I drove down to Orlando it was a, a seventy-two hour I was whirlwind say, trip. It's not, it's not. It's not. An, it's not a quick drive to Orlando from my home. No, no. It's, yeah, it's about. It's about eighteen hour drive. 
Um, so I made the drive and got there the day before and I went to the audition and I got the gig wow. and they said, uh, okay, when can you start? And I said, well, I don't live here. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't live. And they said, well, you, you need to live here. Uh, I yeah. said, okay, can, how long can you give me a month? And so that was in September of 2000. And I ended up moving full, you know, for forever uh, on, on October in October of 2000. And I learned, I started at a show called Legend of the Lion King. Uh, which is where Mickey's PhilharMagic is now. Wow. And so, yeah, not to be confused with Festival of the Lion King, but yeah. Legend of the Lion King, we would tell the story of the Lion King. It was a 17 minute show. We would tell that story 30 plus times a day. Wow. Like I said earlier about the Jungle Cruise thing, like my, there were th between three and four casts in a day and one cast would do between 10 and 12 shows in a day. And so you just do it over and over and over again. And I was great with that. I yeah. loved it. And- Again, it's not that I like, I love variety and I love doing things differently. And I ended up as a puppeteer learning all kinds of different shows all across property. And my favorite schedules were when I was in a different show, a different role every day of the week. That was my favorite. So I love the variety of it. And at the same time, like I said, I'm built to do things over and over and over again and keep working on them and uh, tweaking them and making them better. So uh, that's, that's where I started was at Legend of the Lion King. Um, and then I worked on a show called Pocahontas and Her Forest Friends at Disney's Animal Kingdom, wow. uh, which was, was that? there. That was at um, in an in an area that's no longer there called Camp Mini Mickey. Yes, I was gonna say because they obviously don't have that anymore. That right, area. right. Camp Mini Mickey is where uh, Pandora is now. Uh, but it, it was there. And Festival of the Lion King was also there. So Festival of the Lion King, they uh, have you heard this? They picked it up. They moved the whole theater across the park over no into way. Africa. Yeah. So Festival of the Lion King has not always been where it is right wow. now. Um, but it was a huge hit of a show. Festival of the Lion King was huge hit of a show. And so they uh, they knew, well, we can't just close this because we want to put in the new uh, this new land. Um, so they picked it up and they dropped it off over in Africa, which actually works out better because they got to make the theater a little bit bigger and really enclose it and make it a, exactly what they wanted it to be. Anyway, across the street from Festival of the Lion King at Camp Mini Mickey was a little show called Pocahontas and Her Forest Friends. And I was a puppeteer in that show. Uh, but then there was also, I, I, I did Voyage of the Little Mermaid over at Disney's wow. Hollywood Studios. It was Which Disney MGM iconic. Studios at the time. That What's show that? is iconic to anyone that's ever, you know, as a child, if yeah. I think of a show, I would think of that one and Bear in the Big Blue House. Those oh my goodness. I remember, I have pictures of family books outside <laughs> Bear in the Big Blue House waiting for the show. Like, those are, especially to mine and Bradley's age, those are the shows we kind of grew up watching. Yeah. 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 So I start. Uh, yeah, I was at Voyage of Little Mermaid. I played Sebastian and uh, Ursula in that show. Wow. Yeah, I got to do that. And then you bring up Bear in the Big Blue House. I was uh, I played Pip and Pop, uh, the little purple otters there in Bear in the Big Blue House. No way. Yeah, I got to do that. And then that show or that stage rather transitioned to become Playhouse Disney live on stage. Yeah. Uh, and so I opened that show with a bunch of my puppeteer friends, and then that would become Disney Junior live on stage, and I worked on that as well. Um, and then, okay, so meanwhile, as a puppeteer, so I, so let me, uh, like, when I first got to Walt Disney World, 
um, somebody asked me, they, they said, Rob, you, you seem ambitious. You seem like you want to do a lot of stuff. You seem, you know, you're, you're, you're talented. You got some good stuff going on. I would set myself a limit. They said, you should set yourself a limit for how long you're going to be at Walt Disney World because it's very easy to get comfortable uh, to get comfortable and just stay. Remember Especially how I said, like, it's straight just... out of high school as well. Like it was right. like, as much as it's a phenomenal experience, it is that case of like, okay, there's a whole world out there though. Like, let's, let's see what there was, there is. To exactly. Take exactly. Of, right? And so that's what, you know, and, and rightfully so they, they were saying, okay, like you need to, to set yourself a limit. Otherwise you, you could potentially this, you could start here and you could retire from here uh, if you wanted to. And so I was like, okay, so I set myself a limit of five years with a little caveat. And the caveat was five years, as long as I'm doing something new and interesting, if I'm doing something new and interesting, then I will, uh, then I will, I will uh, reassess. Yeah. And, uh, you know, see if it's something that I want to continue doing. Well, so not to jump too far ahead, but I've worked at Walt Disney World for over 20 years. Awesome. And yeah, and it's because I've always been doing something new and interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, I'll jump back a little bit. So while I was a puppeteer for the company, uh, I was getting together with some guys on the side and we were three other guys. We were getting together and singing barbershop harmony, like doo-wop type rockapella type stuff just on our own. Nobody was asking us to do it. We just wanted to get together and do it on our own. And people, everybody would bring kind of their different music from, from high school and other little charts and stuff that we found. Amazing. And Hey, listen to this. Let's see if we can um, emulate that. And so there was an audition that came up for um, Hong Kong Disneyland was about to open and they were looking to uh, hire a group to be the Dapper Dans for Hong Kong Disneyland. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And so we were like, you know what, let's go to this audition. Now, truth be told, we weren't very good. But we wanted, <laughs> we wanted to go to the audition because we wanted to at least get the ball rolling. We were like, we're not going to get this, but let's get the ball rolling and being noticed. Let's go to some auditions, be seen by some casting directors. Maybe they will keep us in mind for other things. And we can keep working on it. Like if you don't bite the bullet and go to these auditions in any form of entertainment, you that, like you don't know when you're going to end up getting spotted for something you never thought you would. So that's definitely the right attitude to have. And you're absolutely right. You need to get the experience and auditioning because you may you've auditioned as yourself but maybe not as a group and all auditions work differently so at least you gain that experience by doing it you are 100 correct and i i remember <laughs> i remember hearing a friend of mine years ago uh, he had this epiphany uh where he went hold on wait a second the people who are going to the auditions are the ones who are getting the jobs. <laughs> we yeah. Went, yeah. <laughs> that sort of makes sense, you know. It's a light bulb moment. Yeah. Was like, I, I, you know, he already, he was already performing because he had gone to a, to a audition uh, and he got a job, which was great. But he was like, why am I not being considered for anything else? Well, you got to go to some auditions. Um, anyway, so we, we went to this Hong Kong Dapper Dan audition and like i said we weren't very good we got about a song and a half in and the casting director waved his hand and he goes okay okay stop and i and i thought for sure it was okay that's all i need you can be on your way and instead he said okay so here's what i'm gonna do uh the group that is in tokyo right now i'm gonna send them to hong kong and i'm gonna send you guys to tokyo and it's a 13 month contract all of you need to say yes or none of you can go i'll give you the weekend to think about it stop <laughs> yeah so i went to this audition on my lunch break from playhouse disney live on stage 
and like it was just kind of I, I I we just went on a whim and this is what happened and I went back afterwards to finish up my shows and they're like hey how was how did the audition go and I went pretty well uh, <laughs> yeah. we got the gig. yeah <laughs> so uh so yeah so that was so we ended up going to Tokyo. I ended up going to Tokyo and performing at Tokyo Disney Sea with a group called the Dockside Porters. Wow. And kind of like the Dapper Dance, we performed in Tokyo Disney Sea in the American waterfront area. Right. And uh, kind of like the Dapper Dance, but we were um, uh, ship uh, porters for the ship there. I don't yeah. know if you've ever been to Tokyo Disney Sea or it's, if you've seen. I think every person that was on our program was like, and everyone in the world, I think, wants to go to Disney Sea because it is just the park of all parks, isn't it? It looks insane. It is stunning. It's absolutely stunning. And and it is a testament to what are what the Imagineers are capable of when not given any limitations yeah <laughs> you know they literally i as i as we've heard the story they they were looking to expand the disneyland property they're like well which way are we gonna go and they said well we'll just build more land yeah you tell us you tell us where you want it to be and we'll make more land we will exactly. remove the water and we will make land for where you want the, yeah. the park to be anyway amazing but what, so, so, just, just before we jump ahead with Tokyo Sea, yeah. I'm interested to know about what your experience like was with that entire situation. Because yeah. how, how old were you at that point? You were probably um, like early, mid-20s? Yeah, mid-20s. Uh, I went there when I was 24 and came back when I was 26. Wow. Uh, yeah, is... yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, you two do a whole lot more. It is, I think it is part of your culture to do a lot more world travel than it is for Americans to do mm-hmm. world travelers, right. to do world traveling. And uh, what I found out was, and before I went to Tokyo, um, a friend of mine pulled me aside who had uh, seen a lot of the world. He pulled me aside and he goes, when you get back, you will have joined the small club of world travelers. And sure enough, and he goes, you will see the whole rest of the world differently. The world will become smaller yeah, and you will be much more patient with people who don't speak your language, who don't know your cultures and customs. You'll be far more patient with them. The whole world, you will realize, oh my goodness, we are far more connected than we thought. And that's exactly what happened. Um, So I I got over there and uh, immediately... The whole thing happened very fast. So we didn't have time to get up, you know, to brush up on our Japanese. Uh, And and we worked on, uh, we worked in the American waterfront area where they encouraged us to speak English, um, which was great. They encouraged us to speak English and sing in English. We had a a few songs that we did in Japanese, which we learned phonetically. Uh, uh, You know, the Mickey Mouse Club March, uh, we learned that one, which it's been so long now. I don't really I was going to say, I can see the cogs turning there, Robbie. <laughs> can I remember any of it? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm afraid to sing it for fear of um, <laughs> of, of getting it wrong. Uh, but the, yeah, so we so we were there and, uh, and, and it's, I don't know, just being over there. It was, they are very steep. What's interesting is we talk about um, Tokyo Disney Sea as being a park that breaks all of the rules of theme parks. Uh-huh. But- the the culture there is so steeped in tradition and rightfully so and so steeped in process and here's how we do things here that even though they broke all of the rules of of building a theme park once it was built this is how we do it and everything is very processed and specific and i remember you know the guys and i uh, who were over there we tell a story that 
we were told by our director, hey, you guys have the run of the waterfront, wherever you want to be, whatever you want to do, you run this place. Okay. And so just have a great time, enjoy yourselves, put on some shows and, you know, here's your show times and here, but, but at the same time, just do whatever you want. And so we thought one day, well, my goodness, you know what, why don't we vary some things up? We had been there for about six months and we were yeah. ready to do some things differently. We thought, well, why don't we vary some things up? And we went out a different door than what we normally go out. And I'll tell you, there were no less than three months of meetings for them to come in and ask us, so why did you go out a different door? No. Yeah. And we're like, oh, so sorry. We were told by our director that we could kind of go wherever we wanted to go. Um, Okay. So maybe though, don't do that. Okay. All right. Sure. And then a week later they come in and they say, yes, we still want to know why you went out the different door. (laughs) And this happened for no less than three months of them coming in every week to say, why did you do that? Just trying to get something out of you that was like, there's more to this story. (laughs) Exactly. And we were going, no, we didn't. And so many people, it just had to get so many. And they, they were needing to hire translators every single time for this to happen. And, and so, and really we were about a month and a half into these meetings and we were like, we're never going to go out another door ever again, please. <laughs> Just, we promise we're going to do it exactly the way that, you, yeah, this is, this is my confessions of a Disney cast member. Literally, uh, literally. <laughs> we promise. We, yeah, we won't do that ever again. So now uh, when I got there, the quartet that was there before us and they were on their way to go uh, perform in, in Hong Kong, uh, but they had done a few contracts at Tokyo, in Tokyo and in, in Japan. And they, they said to us, um, okay, so here's probably what's going to happen. You guys are here for 13 months. Here's the way that it, that it typically ends up going is that you'll be here for about maybe six or eight months and everything's going to be great. And you're going to be going new places, doing new things, and you're going to love your life. And then you're just going to want to be back home. You're just going to, you're going to hit a wall and you're going to want to be back home. And a lot of people think that they're never going to get out of that slump and they fall into a state of depression and they think that, oh my goodness, I, I'm going to, I, and they'll buy their own tickets sometimes and just leave in the middle of the night uh, because they become so like, they just want to be back home. And they said, don't do it. Don't, don't freak out when that happens, because it's only going to last for about a month and a half or two months where you feel that way. And then you're going to have a renaissance of loving being in Japan. You are going to love it. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. I was there for about eight months. And between month eight and 10, I was like, oh, I just, I would go and do my job and go back to my apartment and just watch American television as much yeah. as I could and uh, and just try to get that. And I would call my family, but we were 13 hours apart. And so I, like, I would just try to, to get as much, you know, and, and it was terrible. But then I got out of it and I was like, I, I thought, I only have a few more months to be here. This is an amazing yeah. experience. I'm going to go back out and see as much of Japan mm-hmm. as I possibly can. And sure enough, it was a glorious renaissance of just loving being there. And uh, and it put me in a situation I, when I came back, I, I still miss it. And yeah. there's a lot of people who've been to Japan 
uh, and lived in Japan for a small period of time. And they go, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I want to live there. I want to go back and visit. I and uh, I'm in that boat. I totally understand where you're coming from. I actually work abroad. That's my job. I'm an entertainer abroad. And mm-hmm. you have these slumps. Even people do the CRP, the program yeah. we did. People, yeah. I lived in Turkey two years ago and I had a point in that summer and I was like, oh my God, I am never going to get back in my own culture. This is totally different for me. Everything's so different. Where, like, I miss the UK. Like, I want to go home. And then you hit a point, you're like, why would I want to be in the UK in the cold, in the rain? <laughs> yeah. Like, come on, live them best, your best life. And yeah. people think that on a, when people go out there, we were there for a full year. And yeah. Bradley, I know a few times you were I definitely, that- yeah, I definitely, like, don't get me wrong, the program was the best year of my life. But it was, there were times where I just, I let silly things get to me. And I was, I was, again, yeah, the homesickness hit. And, and then I, pretty similar to, you, to what you were saying, Robert, I was relating with that so much. And it's mm-hmm. very odd that we have someone who's worked for the Disney company for as long as you have, but has had that one year out where you've gone somewhere and you've uh-huh. like, that's exactly what we go through. And I guess the difference is, which I was going to touch on in a second, is that you got to go back. I think one of yes. the hardest parts for us as, as UK representatives is that, getting back is tough it's hard mm. and we, we we firstly have to be away for a year because when our v, the way the visas work is that we have to be back home for at least one year before we can even reapply for the program again so it's it's so difficult but I'm so glad that I got back on that horse and I said you know what I'm gonna live every moment screw the last three weeks that's fine <laughs> they were a time we're forgetting about them let's yeah. live live your life to the fullest because who knows when you're gonna get to live it like this again yeah yeah. Yeah. And it ended up being, again, just a, a time that I still, I mean, my goodness, that was 15 years ago. And wow. uh, I still look back on it and, I, and I'm and i just like, that. what an amazing experience to get to go yeah. and do that. And uh, to see the, the comp- see, see the world on the company dime. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the other for thing. Sure. You know, they, <laughs> they paid for the flight. They paid for where I stayed. They gave me a per diem. Uh, it was a great experience. Wow. Uh, <laughs> a friend of mine said uh, when I got there, they go, oh, it's kind of like being in college again. You know, we all, we, we, we all have a place to go and things to do during the day. But the only difference is we all have money now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so much to do with it. Like we've got right, all these different right. things to spend money on. Well, um, obviously, going back to America from uh, Tokyo Disney Sea, did you already have a job that you were going back to, or were you just going back to the company in general? So yeah, when I I I raised my hand early on of going, okay, so I'm going to be there for a year. Will you hold my puppeteer position here? Mm-hmm. Will you hold that for when they when I get back? And they said yes, yes, we will. Um, now, when I and and they held true to that. So when I came back, they brushed me up on all of my shows. And uh, but I decided to stay seasonal when I got back. Right. Um, they switched me to go seasonal when I left. So they kept me on the books at Walt Disney World in Orlando, even though I was working at Tokyo, uh, which I guess is a is a big deal. Um, but they were, I think, they were in a situation where they needed uh, they they needed the quartet to be able to go over there, and they were willing to kind of fudge that uh that that rule but um so yeah so I came back and I did have a job to come back to uh but I did decide to stay seasonal um because I did want to kind of expand what I was doing and do some different things but yes yeah now I did okay so moving forward if you want yeah uh, so so then so my friend who had hired me as a puppeteer he and I'd become buddies and so that was a couple years prior I went to Tokyo I came back 
and they said, uh, he came to me a couple months after I had been back and he said, okay, I'm looking for a team of people to help teach the shows puppetry wise. Okay. Would that be something that you would want to do, be interested in? And I said, oh my, yeah, of, of course. Yeah. yeah. So um, I, I switched all together into a part of the company called Entertainment Show Quality. Wow. And so entertainment show quality, there's a team at the time, there's a team of about a hundred um, cast members whose job it is to teach and maintain the entertainment of Walt Disney World. Wow. And so uh, it was um, uh, dancers and uh, I was in a job called puppet specialist. Um, and so, and, and staging specialists and, you know, people who, who focused on, on again, teaching the shows, but then they, we would also watch the shows and make sure that they were meeting the expectations of our creative team and our guests that were coming to the shows. So you're, uh, so you're, you're like to simplify that you're the person that takes the notes and gives it to the cast, right? Pretty yeah, much. Yeah. Yeah. For the most part. So I started on a show called Finding Nemo the Musical. Um, and I was, I was working on that one and teaching that. And, uh, but then also got to work on, uh, you know, the shows that were still open, uh, Pocahontas and her forest friends, Voyage of the Little Mermaid. Uh, but then also um, Playhouse Disney would become Disney Junior. And I was yeah. working on teaching that and changing that over. Uh, but then a whole bunch of special events and things. But a, a fun part of my path to get where I, and we'll wrap up with my history here in just a little bit, but a, a fun part of my path was that, um, I was working on the Finding Nemo show and I ended up, uh, whenever somebody was missing from the rehearsal cast, I could step into that role. And so I would just step in just for fun and there was no pressure and I wasn't nervous because I knew I, knew I, I had a out. different... I had a different job, exactly. Yeah. I already had a job that I was doing. And so to step into these roles as a performer wasn't, I was just doing it for fun. Yeah. And uh, and so, but the, the directors and the production team, creative team, they pulled me aside and they said, Rob, is this something that you would wanna do? Is this something you would be interested in, you know, performing? And I said, well, yeah, I mean, again, I just, I just love being around theater and stages and performing and show business in general. So uh, I, I'm, I'm ready and willing for any of it. They said, well, why don't you come to some auditions? So I went to some auditions. Uh, I went to Turtle Talk with Crush. Wow. Uh, ended up learning, learning that show. Uh, and then also uh, the Hoop Did You Review. I ended up working with learning that show and, and working with them. Now, the problem was, uh, and you might know this as a, as a, a former Disney cast member that you know, they, they kind of want you to stay in your lane. Uh, oh yeah. Do I mean, uh, stay in I your mean, lane. With the UK pavilion, we, I mean, you probably know that with the pavilions with that, we're landlocked there, literally. <laughs> like that, that is, that is where we can go. And I think, I, and like you said, I think I even noticed that on Disney property in general, like it just is simpler, I think, to keep people where they are for them. Yeah. At least, you know, for payroll purposes, which makes sense, but for payroll purposes, we need you to stay in this job that you're in. Yeah. Also for union reasons, we need you to stay where we, where we put you because the rules are different depending on different jobs. So I was um, an emergency sub only for Turtle Talk with Crush and the Hoop Dee Doo Review. Right. And that meant they had to call everybody else on the list within that, um, with, they had to call everybody else on the list of people who do those shows before they could call me. Once everybody else had said no, then they could call me to go right. in. So that meant I learned these shows, but I didn't get to do them really ever. And I never, and they never had access to call me in until they had called everybody else. Right. So I didn't love that. And so I went to my leadership, I went to my management and I said, Hey, uh, what would you think if we flipped it? 
what if I was an emergency sub for you as a puppet specialist? And I went into, you know, had a go at performing full time. And they said, well, that sounds like a win, win, win. Um, we'll still have access to you if we need you, but yeah. you can go on and do this other thing that you enjoy. And so uh, I recall it was in mid-May um, and also a, a great, a giant testament to my wife of going, you, you remember how I said earlier about getting to the five-year mark? Yeah. I was just over the five-year mark. So that Exactly. It was time to do something new, some time to do something different. And so, uh, and my wife goes, listen, you're coming home every day, just kind of frustrated with your job, frustrated with the work that you're doing. It's time for a change. And yeah. so let's figure it out. You need to make this change. So a giant testament to her. She, she pushed me over the edge, pushed me out of the nest and said, fly, do something else. And, <laughs> and you know what? I mean, at the heart of the heart of your journey came from like, you doing the performing and I, I want to actually jump back to something you said really early on which was that as a kid you wouldn't just perform these shows you would tweak them and tweak them and keep uh -huh. performing them in your basement for years and years and and then like so that you could be the most perfect person possible at it like you didn't you didn't want imperfections in that performance so then the fact that that ended up coming full circle in one aspect that you ended up doing like literally watching shows and helping people improve so that they could be the best that they could possibly be. But then also to have that, that moment where you realize, okay, this, this is where it all started. This is what I love. I need to get back to being that person. Have and your own shot at it. Yeah. 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 My, you know, I, I've never put that together, but Bradley, you're absolutely right. Um, yeah. That's as far as the, that again, talking about the journey and it all makes, when you look back on your journey and this is true for everybody, you look back on your journey and it makes complete sense. Yeah. yeah. You know, I met this person who introduced me to this person and I had this experience with, which led to this, which led to this. And it makes complete sense looking back, but man, looking forward, it's like, what am I going to do? Yeah. <laughs> Where am I going to go? What am I going to do? But opportunities arise, you meet people and uh, yeah. So, uh, so I, I switched over and was performing full-time at the Hoopty Doo Review, a, a contract. I was, I was, um, I, I ended up learning the Dapper Dans um, over that summer after I switched over. So uh, Dapper Dans of Main Street USA learned that as well as a show called uh, The Royal Majesty Makers. They're in Fantasyland at the Magic Kingdom. Okay. I was working on those shows. And then I also got to step on stage um, in the role of Marlon at Finding Nemo the Musical. So I got to finally, you know, that came kind of full circle where now, I was teaching it, teaching it, teaching it, and then got to perform. That is a big role. That is like big shoes to fill. Like as a performer, did you feel like pressure taking on that role? Because everyone has seen that show. Yeah. Yes. Yes, for sure. There's, there's a giant pressure uh, with that. I mean, he really is you know, it's called Finding Nemo, but it could just as easily be called um, Searching with Marlin. And, <laughs> you know, really uh, the story is more so about Marlin's journey than it is about Finding Nemo. And so, yeah, that that for sure, there's a certain pressure there. The flow of the show, the energy of the show. And Marlin is kind of a downer. Yeah. Um, he's got a bad attitude through the majority of the show. And it's yeah. it's a it's a challenge to play him in a way that is still likable and is still somebody that you can root for, even though everything that he goes into, every situation he goes into is like, there's no way, there's no way we're going to succeed in this. Yeah. There's no possible way that this could go well. 
and yet it does. And, you know, he has Dory to help him along the way. Uh, but for sure, like he's got a bad, he's, he's a downer. And so the pressure of playing that role in a way where it is true to that character, but at the same time still likable and that the audience is going to pull for him uh, for sure. And, but yeah, Marlon's the first character that you see on that stage and the last character that you see uh, before the show closes. And uh, now there's a joy in having that kind of control um, you know, I, I talk a lot about the, uh, for me, a passion of mine is the intersection of leadership and creativity. And, uh, and so having the lead on stage doesn't necessarily mean that you have the most lines you yeah. can lead on stage, uh, you know, playing the Butler, yeah. uh, playing the nurse, you can, you can be a leader on stage, even if you don't have the lead role. And uh, there is some fun and some joy if you understand that and recognize, okay, even though I have the lead role, I'm not necessarily always the leader. And so the joy of being on stage, you know, uh, Dory is a lot of times in scenes with Dory, she's the leader. You know, she, she, she might be in a, in a principal, but a supporting role of Marlon. But at the same time, man, like Dory is running the show. When when she shows up, nobody else is in charge. Crush as well. Go with the floor. Yes. Yes. You, I think like me and Sophie have both been, we're both performers and we've both done performing before. And I think it is all about finding the focal point in, um, in whatever it needs, whatever it needs to be at any given point, because the energy isn't always going to be in the same place. And that's in any arts medium that's in like reading, acting, um, performing in any sense, singing, dancing, whatever, but it's yeah. about, it's about acknowledging what the focal point is at that point of feeling off of that energy because the energy is never going to be one point for the whole show that'd be boring right you'd get right. bored of that right right we yeah pass it around hand it yeah. hand it around yeah everybody everybody should get a chance to hold that energy ball exactly and toss it to somebody else yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but so you so see you uh, got to probably find Nemo the musical yep. what else did you what else did you tackle um after that um, yeah, so well, that pretty much brings us up to uh, up to present day as far as my Amazing. Disney career goes. Um, yeah, and so then, of course, uh, the world came to a screeching halt uh, in in March, and so uh, just waiting for that call back. Obviously, cool. that was awful. We have spoken about this plenty of times in this podcast, especially to performers. We don't agree that Disney World is the same without you guys, and mm. we cannot wait until you are all back because it's just, it isn't the same and. No. You can go to the parks just now. What Disney are doing is amazing. They're, they're trying to keep the safety as best they can. They've got all the rides and they're trying to do as best they can. But yeah. there's a little Disney magic missing without the shows and the performers. But do you remember where you were when, you know, your last shift maybe? And um, what was yeah. your last show? Like, what was it like? Obviously, yeah. I, I don't recall. I So uh, my typical nights at Hoop-dee-doo uh, were Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Saturdays. Uh, and then I had the rest of the week, I had availability to go and, and help out at some of the other stages that I worked at. Uh, but yeah, so I, my last show was the Saturday before, uh, before there, uh, before the, the big shutdown. Um, we were actually in a contingency rehearsal when we got word that the show was closing altogether, uh, or rather was going to turn dark altogether. So we we were in a contingency rehearsal to figure out how can we do the show? And you've seen the show. Mm-hmm. We were in a contingency rehearsal to figure out how can we do the show without audience participation, without 
without immediate guest interaction, without yeah. any volunteers at the end of the show. Yeah. Um, and so we were working all of that out and we had pretty much solidified, okay, we have a plan when our stage manager walked up and walked up to the show director and said, uh, just whispered something in his ear and the director said, okay, here's your stage manager. And the stage manager goes, okay, everybody pack up your stuff. We are closed for the foreseeable future. And so that was that. So that was that was how we found out. Now, we all thought, you know, I'm sure you've heard this before. So many people felt this way. We all thought it was two weeks. We yeah, had three weeks here it was. It was yeah, like we're, we're going to close down. No problem. We're going to close down for a couple of weeks, get this thing under control, figure out a plan, and then we'll all be back. And well, at first, people assumed like it's a two week break. People were like, I've got a two week holiday, I can relax for two yeah. weeks. That's what a yeah. lot of people thought, Honestly, yeah. especially if you were working, you know, all these hours. It was kind of like a needed break, but then <laughs> completely, you were like, Oh, it, me and Bradley, like, obviously, we're still in total lockdown now, and you know, it, it's just never it's ending at it's this hard. point. But yeah. I, I, as you've, you've been in the industry for 20 plus years at this point rob so i mean i don't want to i don't want to bring the tone down here but one the only other moment i can think that things might have come to a halt as much as this did was 9 11 and were, were you working for the company at that I point was and yeah, w- w- yeah would you say it was obviously the thing with 9 11 is was it was obviously human driven um it was it was a very spiteful act it was terrorism um but w- would you say that there was a slight comparison to the fact that things just stopped all of a sudden uh yes yes a, a you know a careful comparison of course um, as as you are being but uh yeah. and i but but at the same time yes a comparison in terms of the way that um everyone was afraid to travel again yeah. um everyone was was afraid to be in large groups yeah. again uh large mass gatherings again so very similar in that way where uh you know um uh, animal kingdom i think went down to a five-day operation wow uh and i think it was only open uh i think they were closed on mondays and tuesdays wow and so uh you know things like that that were just uh you know this is this is unheard of we've never yeah. we've we've never operated this way we've yeah. always opened and just been open yeah. and operating maybe the hours might change for the time of the year but we would just open every day and everybody would show up every day to do the job, to do the work. Exactly. And this is very, very similar where all of a sudden everybody's kind of going, okay, we're stopped. What day of the week is it again? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, Literally like there was that. no markers uh, to point, you know, to, to keep us in a, in a, in a, tr- um, in a pattern or a, um, uh, I don't know. It, yeah. It's, it's very similar. Yes. Well, we're just hoping that you guys get back as soon as possible to get back in these shows and we will be out in the first plane as soon as we're allowed in the country. We'll yeah. be there. <laughs> At Hoop, I promise you. Well, and we would we're love excited. to on. We'd love yeah. to talk about Hoop because Hoop is such a big part of our program. It um, is. You'll notice when we are there. You notice when the UK feelings there. We're in the- <laughs> we, we love it. Here. Yes. We love it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh my goodness uh, uh what is the what are, what are some of the rhymes that we do for the uk um the la- i mean the land of mary poppins yeah. is obviously yes yes yeah. um uh where the um where the queen sits on her throne that's the place that they call home oh 
Love yes. it. Oh, yes. it takes me back. It takes me back. <laughs> um, I mean, it must be. Am I right? In, what? So tell us for anyone listening that doesn't even know what Hoop You Do is, which if yeah. you don't, go and find out about it. Tell us a bit about your role in the show, Rob, and what it's been like being a part of that show. Sure. Okay. So if you've never seen the Hoop Do Review, if you've never been, um, it is a the show itself is a vaudeville style um, singing dancing uh, comedy show. And um, so, so that is the show, but it's also, it's tied to dinner. So it's a dinner show um, and we, it's, it's all American fried chicken and ribs and corn and beans and cornbread. Oh, you're making and... me hungry, stop, I can't. <laughs> 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 oh, and then, uh, and then, and then at the end, we wrap the whole thing up with uh, strawberry shortcake, but the oh. strawberry shortcake doesn't just arrive to your table by the server. It arrives with a production number with a song and a dance and the servers come out with a kick line and bring that that strawberry shortcake to that your table. That is one yeah. of the best parts of the show is seeing so your server up on yes. that stage. Like, the curtain opens show. and yeah. yeah. If you see yeah. your server dancing, give them a cheer. 100 percent it's one of the best things because you get your server the whole time and they're obviously having a laugh with you the actors you guys are just having a laugh with you and then you combine the both you're like yes yeah, it's great <laughs> it's the dream. It's the dream. so uh one of the things that we always talk about for hoop doo is you know every show at walt disney world has uh what is called a creative intent and uh and so you know every whenever you like when you go and see the dapper dans you should never walk away from the dapper dans saying oh my goodness those harmonies were so tight um oh my goodness their choreography their tap dancing was so clean and crisp yeah. you should never walk away doing that you should always walk away going man those four guys really like each other <laughs> yeah those exactly you guys really are having a good time with each other and because of that we were drawn into that and and every show has a creative intent that we when you leave the show we want you to feel a certain way we want you to take a certain action and um as you go on into the rest of your day and so the hoopty do our creative intent is that we're not the best show at walt disney world but we are the most fun you ever had uh so true yeah. And so, and, and, you know, the dirty little secret then is if it is the most fun that you ever had, then chances are good. You're going to think it's the best show you ever saw. Exactly that. Yeah. And so, yeah. So we always say, you know, let Fantasmic, let Festival of the Lion King, let, you know, uh, uh, um, Happily Ever After, let those be the best shows at Walt Disney World. We are going to be the most fun you ever had. And so the endless uh, beer, wine, and sangria helps with that a little bit. <laughs> just a bit, just a bit. It's like that, it's like, I, I also quite like getting um, an Uber at the front of Fort Aldenus to Disney Springs afterwards for- um, Very smart. Some after show drinks, you know, you've got to yes. do it. Um, yeah. But um, you obviously play um, the role of, am I right in saying six bits? Am I gonna be right in saying that here? Nailed it, nailed Amazing. it, yes. So Six bits um, slocum. Six Bits is an iconic character. Yeah. And we've obviously had um, Miss Dolly Drew, Faith Bowles yes. on um, a little while ago as well. And it just, it, I mean, the relationship between your characters is phenomenal and one of the best parts about the show for me. And I think I could speak to you, Sophie, as well. Um, but jumping into that role, especially after, like you say, playing a role like Marlin, who yeah. is a bit of a Debbie Downer, what a contrast, right? Right. I always like to believe, first off, Six Bits has never, um, he's never matured beyond a nine-year-old boy. 
Um, and, and he just wants to have a good time the way that I play the role. He just wants to have fun. Um, and so once the opening number is over, okay, I did all of the stuff that you wanted me to do. I learned the choreography. I did the opening number. Now can we just have a good time? (laughs) And, uh, you know, that's, that's my mentality. That's my thinking through the whole thing. And so six bits is just continually interrupting, always saying, you know, saying inappropriate things, doing things that are you know, certainly by Disney standards, uh, many people will go, are you allowed to say that? Well, six bits for whatever reason, six bits can get away with it. Can, yeah. Um, yeah. And so I would never say it <laughs> out loud, but six bits for whatever reason, he, he can comment on a lady's age. Uh, six bits can, yeah, he can make fun of where people are from and make fun of the company and make fun of, you know, I, I also think about the hoop Doo review as kind of the, the pressure release valve for our guests coming to the park where we know that the standards are high. We know that your expectations expectations of the company and your however long you're going to be visiting we know that that expectation is super high and we know that we're not always going to get it 100% right yeah we know that it's going to be hot we know that it's going to be really hard to get into um a flight of passage we know that it's going to be you know the, the lines are going to be long it's going to be crowded we know that and so what if there was a place you could go where we make fun of that stuff where yeah. we point, we poke fun at ourselves and go, we get it. We know. Yeah. And, and I think in doing so again, it is a pressure release for our guests of going, okay, they understand. They know, you know, that one of my favorite times of year is during Halloween. And the fact that, um, you know, Halloween starts at the magic kingdom uh, in August. <laughs> yeah. And so it's one of my favorite times of year when we can poke fun at the magic kingdom <laughs> for starting Halloween so early because everybody is going wait 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 Magic Kingdom it's it's August 18th already you're decorated for Halloween what on earth literally you know and they everybody going to the Magic Kingdom just accepts it and deal with it deals with it but what if there was a place where we made fun of that Mm -hmm. and so and we do so it's stuff like that that I love about it so much do you know what as well I think that it's important to acknowledge here that cast member that's the reason why us as cast members at the UK Pavilion love it so much as well because we're not used to I do you know I went to America thinking we are so Americanized in the UK like we're all about the grand gestures and the big lights big city and it's not true like we are so downtown like I don't know if you've ever been to the UK Rob but like we are so we are we are very mellow people really and like so when it comes to like when it comes to Disney we're like like wow. throwing everything at like we're, like Disney throwing all of this at us and we're like oh my god how do I deal with this <laughs> we're like okay I just need a good drink like unlimited drinks uh-huh. I need a good song and dance and I need some good food and that is exa- <laughs> like you said it just it's a pressure release that's yeah. the British sense of humor we love a drink and we love to make fun of ourselves and other yeah. people <laughs> so the hoop to do review just comes hand in hand for us. It's perfect. <laughs> exactly that. But, but also, um, I was going to say, as a performer, it must be so amazing to say on your journey, obviously, we've been through so much in your journey just here, but there's still so much more we haven't even been able to touch on fully. But how amazing is it that you can say over these 21, 20 years, I have got to do such varied roles. I bet as a performer, that keeps you on your toes and it makes you a better performer each year and each time because you've went from things like Marlin to a puppeteer in Voyage to Little Mermaid to this, to that. Like, it must just make you think, oh my gosh, like one, I'm blessed. And two, it keeps you as a better performer. Yes, absolutely. I, 
Um, yeah, everything that you said is is one hundred percent correct. I I mentioned earlier about looking back. Looking back, the path makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I started as a as a puppeteer, you know, nineteen years old, and just hanging out there at at and 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 doing my shows there at Legend of the Lion King. Um, a friend of mine said, Hey, if you want to be great at this, here's how you do it on your breaks, go up and watch other people's shows. Oh, I'm like, okay, well, I do want to be great at this. And mm-hmm. so I would go up and watch other people's shows. And from that, I would learn, Oh, that was an amazing little bit of puppetry that they just did. I want to learn how to do that. And I would go back and I would ask him, Hey, how do you do that? Or um, I would see and go, oh, that's so smart. I do know how to do that. I just never thought of doing it. Yeah. That's so smart. That's so great. But then I would also see and see people do things and I would go, oh, never want to do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not going to include that as part of my show. Well, you, uh, you, learn, you learn from the best, but you also learn from the worst, you know? That's like, right. That's, that's, that's how it goes. That's right. And But from that, I extended that a lot of going, I, I could never just sit in the break room, sit in the green room between shows and just wait for the next show to come around. I always needed something to do. Thankfully, um, I was surrounded by shows and roller coasters and attractions and <laughs> rides. So between shows, I would um, I would leave, I would change my clothes and go out into the park and I would watch other performers. Uh, I would watch other shows, watch other performers. And I've always been a really good mimic, a really good emulator. Um, where I can watch somebody do what they do and I can mirror what they are doing. And so from that, I was able to go and see other people's performance styles and just tuck it away, just file it away of going, oh, that is what the expectation is of performance at Walt Disney World. Okay, that's what I want to do. I want to get to that level. So going and watching other people do what they do was certainly feeding into the ability later when mm-hmm. at an audition they would say uh you know for for six bits part of the audition is is an improv section and uh and it's not a big deep important improv section it's really just more of a do you have a willingness to improvise yeah. on stage you don't need to be a great improviser but do you have a willingness to do it when things go wrong when the audience uh, when, when, when the audience kind of gives you something that is out of the ordinary, can you respond to it in real time and be okay with continuing on with the show, but also including the audience in it? So that's a big part of the Hoop-de-doo DNA is yeah. including the audience and what's happening and yes-anding with them uh, and improvising. So that was a part of it. And, and when I knew uh, when the director behind the casting table, when, when, they tr- when they said, okay, let's, let's do a little bit of improv, I was like, okay, flip that switch. Now I'm, I've got my improv hat on yeah. and I'm ready to just have a go at it. I'm not going to be great at it. And an audition, improvisation in an audition setting is always terrible yeah. uh, because everybody's nervous. Everybody's in their head. Nobody's free or, and relaxed. Uh, but again, it was just a matter of, of a willingness to do it. And so because I had seen so many others do it uh, on stage in performance and, and seen it, I went, okay, I just, I just need to mirror what they did yeah, I just yeah. need to you know show them that I know what you're talking about and have a try have a go at it myself so yeah it's um that role I agree it's it was in a it has long the show's been open since 1974 mm-hmm. and pretty much has been untouched 
uh, we, we've tweaked some things, changed some things here and there. But for the most part, the structure of the show has stayed the same yeah. uh, since 1974. And all of the characters have stayed the same. And six, I got to do the 40 year anniversary celebration wow. and they brought back the original cast. And what was so much fun is that we, as our characters, we got to introduce the original cast as their characters. No so way. as Six Bits, I got to introduce um, uh, Brad is his name, actually. I got to introduce <laughs> Brad, who was the very first Six Bits wow. uh, and, and bring him on stage and present him with a, you know, uh, with his own bowler hat uh, and say, you know, here's 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 thank you for the legacy that you created 40 years yeah. ago. For making this happen and i'll tell you what was so much fun is once the audience realized what was happening because dolly drew introduced the original dolly first um and then i think they did uh they introduced jim and then i stepped forward and just me stepping forward there was applause of we need to find out who created this character yeah. we uh -huh. need to know who and there was applause and excitement and i said and I, all i said was let me talk about brad <laughs> and the place just went nuts. And uh, and I talked about where he came from and how he got the job yeah. and the, the iconic moments and bits that he created that we are still doing to this day. Uh, you know, I talked about those things. And finally, when he came on, on stage, it was met with a standing ovation because okay. that role is iconic. And uh, and it's, you know, you talk about the pressure of of Marlon, there's a pressure when when you, people who've been to the Hoopty Doo Hoopty Doo review before, there's a pressure that Six Bits be good, well, yeah, <laughs> that he be funny. Do you know? I was just gonna say um, that as much as these characters like Marlon, um, like the like in any like what am I trying to say? Like in uh, the Disney film show, the shows that are based on films, there's these um, expectations from a character because we've seen them in the film. We we expect to see them a certain way, a certain way on stage, but there's like you said, there's all Disney created these incredible shows as well and performances as well where these characters don't have to come from something else. Disney parks are their own entity, and right. the shows that they create are just as fantastic as the ones that are based in the films. And that's why, like, I mean, the thought of not being able to see Hoop to Do again terrifies me. And I know I, I have to take that with me. And I know, like, I, I know I have to hold on to that hope that I will get to see it again because, yeah. <laughs> because otherwise, like, what have we got to hold on for, you know? We need to hold on to these things. But no, like, honestly, I just want to say thank you so much for 100%. being a part of, I, I mean, our program. I know I, I'm 100% I'm sure we saw you various times on the program. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's just, it's such an honor to be able to sit here and talk to someone who brought so much entertainment into our lives and our program. Well, and even starting like the journey that I think of when I think of Disney holidays, I think about Bear in the Big Blue House. Yeah. We were doing that. Yes. So we've come yeah. full circle, me and you. We are coming to an end, but could you give us a highlight of your Disney journey? I know it's hard, but. It is hard. A highlight of my Disney journey. Um, My goodness. You know what? Um, I will always point to, uh, no, I am not a great dancer. Um, I'm not a great dancer. I'm a mover at best. And, uh, and so I would see performers on the castle stage and I would see them and I, and I would know, I would love to be on the castle stage. I'm never going to be. Cause I'm not a great dancer. That is a, that is a, a, the first thing that they audition for. Yeah. Um, 
to be on the castle stage as that. But uh, a couple years ago, they did a thing where they had the Royal Majesty Makers, uh, they had them open the park. And as a Dapper Dan, I got to do a the, the morning welcome show um, in front of the train station there in front of the park. Yeah. And they closed that show and they moved it to opening the park. Uh, they let everybody in about an hour before the park would officially open. And they would let everybody in onto Main Street. And then they would say, everybody gather in front of the Magic King, in front of the castle. There'd be a big voiceover, gather in front of the castle for the grand opening of the Magic Kingdom for today. And so everybody would gather. And because I was a, a member of the Royal Majesty Makers, I got to walk right down and go, come down stage center at the castle stage. And uh, got to do that a, a bunch of times and welcome everyone to the Magic Kingdom. Welcome everybody um, there and, and to enjoy their day. And I would be surrounded by the VIP characters and princesses and uh, all of the heroes of all of the, the Disney stories. And just getting to do that and look out over the audience. And sometimes, you know, there would be 10,000 people out there. Sometimes there would be 30, 40, 50,000 people that were ready to start their day, you know, on peak day days ready to start their day there and to look out over that sea of people and go oh my goodness like look at where I'm standing look at what I'm doing this is ridiculous this is ridiculous this <laughs> this life that I it's have it's almost right like now. a pinch me moment like it really is and I you know and and it is kind of a matter of going oh, Rob you have a job to do you have a responsibility <laughs> you can't just walk down stage and just freeze and look at everything and go ah look at the castle behind me. and fireworks would go off at the end of the thing fireworks would shoot off at the end of the show like uh, you know so not having no you don't have time for any of that you have a job to do but yeah. at the same time don't miss it you know like yes do the job but man part of your Type brain in. better be outside of yourself paying attention to what is happening because this is this is very special Amazing. Oh my, like, honestly, I am living through all of these memories, yeah. um, Rob, with you. Like it is just, it. you've had one hell of a journey. And I have to ask before we close up, what is next for you? Obviously, I'm guessing, are, are you still, I know entertainment is pretty much down across property at the moment, but what's, sure. what's next in the plans? Yeah, we are, we are waiting for that call to come back. My wife has been called back. She's a singer with Voices of Liberty. Amazing. So she's been called back. So uh, the Dapper Dans are back, but they have their, their full-time cast are yeah. back and they're, they're doing that. So bit by bit, entertainment is coming back. We yeah. are waiting for that phone call to come back. We are very optimistic that who do will be coming back maybe not in the very 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 near future but we are optimistic that it will be coming back we got to figure out how to do food uh within the pandemic yeah. Uh, That's the thing. It's, so, it's not just one. It's not just one battle. It's like multiple battles. There's so many things. So yeah. many things. So, but in the meantime, uh, you know, it's kind of been uh, the theme for so many people. Um, you know, I I always talk about my wife is a goal setter, but I'm an opportunity seizer. And so uh, I have just kind of been in a place of going, okay, I need to shift gears and create some opportunity for myself. And so from that, I just started out as I was home from, from on furlough for about, for a couple of weeks before, again, um, a testament to my wife, she would, she, I was home for a couple of weeks and she was like, okay, you need a project. You need something <laughs> to do. And so I just put out there into the world. I said, Hey, I have some free time now. How can I help you? 
And just from that, um, people started reaching out and saying, well, here's what I need. I need some coaching for this. I need some consulting for this. I need some creative, creative development for this. And, and it became something that I kind of needed to become fiscally responsible for. And so I started a company called Blue Trumpet Creative. And uh, so my company is, uh, is exactly what I just said, coaching, consulting, and creative development. And, uh, and, and so the coaching part is kind of the one-on-one -on -one of helping people with their auditions. And what is interesting is uh, helping people with their job interviews, kind of applying the principles of auditions and applying that to a job interview. Uh, and so helping coaching people with that, but also Brilliant. coaching them on, on leadership and creativity and that mm -hmm. kind of thing. But then also the consulting piece, I, I love working with teams and kind of, again, sharing the principles of theater with the corporate world. And there's a way that we've learned how to communicate and the way that we operate on stage. We've been doing it for millennia mm -hmm. and uh, we've been doing it for so long. And there's a way, there's a, a language that we have. There's a system that we have that just works 100%. and we are able to get a job done present. So I take a lot of those principles, those rules, those guidelines and apply them to the regular, to the rest of the business world. Uh, so I've been doing a lot of consulting with, with them for that kind Brilliant. of stuff as well as uh, then creative development of writing and directing and creating little scenarios and stuff for, for people who are, again, outside of the entertainment industry, but they want to have that sparkle of entertainment yeah. as a part of their industry. So that's what Blue Trumpet Creative is. And I started that. Uh, it's bluetrumpetcreative.com if you want any Brilliant. more information on that. We will uh, link yeah. it in this episode for you. Thank so you very much. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of what is next for me. That's what I've been working on and building over the last year and uh, it's it's been great and again I talk about just the variety that I enjoy and so every day I'm meeting with different people and chatting with different people about different Brilliant. projects and things and I love Amazing. it so that's what's happening that's well, there what's we happening. go we hope that you'll be back as soon as but we're proud of you and happy that you're getting to be doing this in the meantime but we just want to say thank you so much for coming on and taking time out to talk to us about your Disney journey because uh, we can speak for everybody listening that they'll be very happy with this episode because it's, <laughs> it's been brilliant um, well you two are delightful absolutely delightful. oh thank you and, so much uh, yes and no doubt like i have uh, certainly our paths have crossed before but i'm so happy to get to just have this conversation this yeah. with you exactly the same here rob it's been brilliant and i, I will wrap up with one final very quick question and that okay. is um, i just want to know what your perfect disney day is the first your perfect idea of a disney day yeah, um, my perfect idea of a Disney day would start, uh, you know, I love going to, I love the all four park whirlwind tour. Amazing. I love doing it. Yeah. And so I go in order. I, I, I started the magic. Sorry. I started animal kingdom because they open earliest. Yeah. yeah. Started animal kingdom uh and ride everest and uh maybe get some some breakfast or just something real light and quick over yeah. there yeah. and then uh maybe see a festival of the lion king uh and then i will head over to the magic kingdom um and do uh you know just see a parade and uh see some some castle shows and things like that Brilliant. and then i will head over to hollywood studios and ride rock and roller coaster and of course see some whatever shows they have going on over there yeah. and then i will wrap up the day at epcot uh, because there's no better place to finish the day than at Epcot. Totally uh, and yeah, so I'll, I'll finish up with a flight of the Johnny Walker uh, <laughs> <laughs> Epcot, get uh, dinner at Le Cellier maybe, and uh, all of that, of course, with my wife. 
brilliant yeah. brilliant yeah. Uh, well yeah I think from both of us Rob again we just want to say thank you so so much it's been an absolute privilege to have um, you on the show someone who has um, I, I always say that like if I had five minutes with someone I was serving in the restaurant um, to have this conversation with I'd be more than grateful so to have all this time with you is absolutely phenomenal so I think from me and Sophie we just want to say thank you so much Thank you guys very much. Of course, no worries. It's been amazing. And don't forget to go and check out all of Rob's stuff in the the, um, description below. (laughs) Um, But this has been another episode of Confessions of a Disney Cast Member. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, follow our Instagram, and listen to all of the other episodes because they are just as magical as each other. Keep spreading the magic, everyone. And bye for now.